Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. This is part two of our bumper catch-up episode. So we've just been speaking about coronavirus in part one and got all sad. Uh, And now we're going to talk about where it all went wrong for Pochettino's Tottenham and Jose Mourinho's Tottenham. So there was a really, I thought, interesting article from Daniel's story for iNews on this. Uh, There was one particular paragraph which I very much enjoyed, which I'll, I'll read out now. At the last count, they have the sixth highest revenue in the Premier League and the seventh highest wage bill. Maurizio Pochettino's greatest trick was persuading supporters that they had any right to dance in such elevated company because the suit was rented and the hotel booked on credit card. The Premier League Cinderella Club is being forced to listen to the first chimes of midnight. Not only is that a lovely piece of writing, but I found it quite um, profound in, in the point it was trying to get across that actually Spurs are sixth or seventh in terms of revenue and, and wage bills. And Poch had us overachieving for the majority of his tenure. Um, and to follow up on this as well, I've noticed that in the in the recent weeks, Alistair Gold has written a piece for Football London. Alistair, who is a fantastic kind of beat reporter for Tottenham, has written some thoughts on uh, the rapid decline of Tottenham Hotspur and exactly who is to blame, as he calls his piece. Um, and I wrote a couple of months ago a piece called The Blame Game on my blog, uh, which is windycoys.com, if you're interested in reading it, uh, where I kind of tried to get to the crux of who I think is to blame. And we've not really gone over this in terms of where it's all gone wrong and who we should be looking at and pointing fingers at the most. I think most fans like pointing the finger at Daniel Levy because it's easy. Um, and I think when you kind of go micro and start taking things decision by decision by decision, it's easy to get, kind of get wrapped up in that and go along for the ride. But if you look bigger picture over the course of Daniel Levy's tenure, it's really hard to blame him for anything when he's taken Spurs on a kind of transformative journey, I would argue. Um, Bardi, I'll start with you. Where do you think things first started going wrong? And who do you think shoulders most of the blame? I mean, I, th- I think it's a combination of Pochettino and Levy. Levy being unable or unwilling to to give the players Pochettino needs, and perhaps Pochettino um, not adapting. Um, we saw a little bit of adapt- adaptation when he went a long ball in the Champions League, but I think the blame lies with those two. But there was another article in his, another paragraph in his article, which is, I thought was one you're going to reference: is when decline hits, it whitewashes over excellence, and that is the that is the problem when you reach an end of an era for for a squad. You need to very quickly um, upgrade and start again. And if you think about um, teams that have gone through multiple iterations in, in Premier League history, Man United is the one that springs to mind. 
But when a club like Man United do it, they most of the time it's from a position of power. And it was from a, a unique time where there wasn't quite the same amount of money spread around the Premier League. So Ferguson was able to exchange his players and be relatively... Un- no one else was going for the Yapstams, the Van Nistelrooy's, the, even the Verons, which ended up being a mistake. But he, was, he had a kind of monopoly on these top-class players. Whereas now, if you're a team like Tottenham, who are, as you say, the six uh, six highest in revenue, trying to um, do a seamless rebuild, it's, it's impossible when you have so much money and so much strength throughout the Premier League. So it's, it, it, it's a difficult period of time, but it's something that we're going to have to just grin and bear it and get through it. Um, I think perhaps Mourinho is a, as good as managers we can have to kind of clear players out and get new players in. But it's it's always it's always difficult refreshing, especially now when you look around and you've got teams like Wolves buying players that before perhaps would have been Tottenham's kind of market of players. When you have Liverpool, Chelsea, um, Everton with the kind of money that they have as well, it's very difficult now to to rebuild and do it seamlessly. Yeah, and you use the word refresh there, and I think um, this is the problem. So I think it, we could have refreshed the squad yeah. before when we had mm-hmm. Pochettino. I think, and that's my biggest criticism. We could have refreshed the squad, and now it's got to the point where it's way beyond the refresh, and we're starting again. We're we're starting from you know we're we're nuking the squad essentially, and and needing to start again. Um, Nathan, how about you? Where where do you stand in all this? Where do you think things started going wrong, and who do you think is most culpable? Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I agree that the, the the best thing we could have done is is do a better job of refreshing the squads. And I also think that um <clears throat> that we the three of us have to accept that refreshing the squad includes um selling off your highest value players at their highest value, which may well include Harry Kane. <clears throat> Don't mind me, I'm just dying. Um <laughs> So yeah, and that that's obviously you can't make those jokes anymore, Nate. <laughs> it's a distinct possibility. <laughs> Don't make me cry. Um, yeah, we, okay. So the idea of sort of selling Delhi, selling Ericsson at his highest value, selling even Harry Kane is something that's really hard to agree to as a fan at the time. But the alternative is, is what we've seen here, and I think that when you are a club who consistently finish above their revenue, except for this season, who consider you know who every time they finish fifth or fourth or third is dramatically overperforming, you have to accept, or we now have to learn the lesson as a club, as a fan base, uh, and as a as a directive board that you just have to move your best players on and keep turning the squad over year after year after year. Um, and I'll also say that that's incredibly difficult and that there's a general air of inevitability, which I guess that that's what Daniel Story gets to, is that uh, we could only get away with, with Poch, you know, dragging us up the table for so long and that his incredible upsides, his tactical management, uh, his fitness expertise, uh, or at least Perez's, and, and all of the upside also comes with his incredible authoritarianism where he's filming players around the club and monitoring everyone all the time and running everyone into the ground and that that comes as a package and it's brilliant for four or five years and it wears down over time again yes maybe continuing to refresh the squad um at the very least delays that um but yeah i i just think that it, what goes up must come down mm. Yeah, exactly. And unless you're a um, a conglomerate like Juventus or um, 
um, Bayern Munich that you've just got so much power and so much ability just to be able to go into your own division and buy players who are already accustomed to your league who you've seen week in, week out, and you you know can just literally just drop in. Look at uh, Bayern Munich's most successful players. They've just, just gone in and just taken them from teams around them. Yeah. Um, even even if you look at someone like Leipzig that we're playing, they've got a, a network and a very good place in Red Bull Salzburg to be able to test out players and do that. And... It all comes down to the Premier League. You just can't. We don't. We we don't. We can't go out and buy every single player that we want because we're facing so much competition from other individuals. But um, I think the failing at Tottenham is those years where we signed the Enkudus, the NGs, where we just did bad scouting. Those are two players that we spent a reasonable amount of money on. And we just, if we'd just been a bit smarter and signed two players, because there is value out there, two players of that much money, but just did it better. We, we, I don't think we would have ended up in a situation where we are now. Uh, Nathan mentioned that it's kind of difficult for fans to accept selling players at their peak. And I think that is true and, and will continue to be true. But the alternative <laughs> is what we've got, which is selling Ericsson on the cheap, loaning Danny Rose to Newcastle to the point where we'll probably end up losing him for a nominal fee at the end. And, you know, we had a we had a model in place. We sold Kyle Walker at peak value mm. and had already started bringing through a ready-made replacement, albeit not one we, we liked in Kieran Trippier, but by gosh, we'd like him back now. Uh, but that's kind of beside the point. That was a, a tried and tested, in the eyes of Pochettino presumably, model that we could have worked with. And I find it odd that we did that quite successfully, I would say, and then didn't repeat the act. Well, we 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 did the right thing in in selling Kyle Walker, but we bought Aurea instead of Pereira. Yeah, yeah. I am. I, but in, in in England, there's just such a fear of being being labelled a selling club. Football is it's, it's it's about buying players and selling them on. That's that's what you do. There's very few play, very few teams in the world where players go go to die. That's it. That's them done. Mm. Even Real Madrid were willing to to sell Cristiano Ronaldo because you know he's a, he's an icon. Mm. Um, we have to be willing to do that. But the fans get so upset. Oh, we're selling to our rivals. We should have sold Eric Dyer for fifty million. When yeah, a player yeah. when a player hits their peak. And we know they're not going to get any better. It's just downhill. That's that's the time to sell those players on. And I think that's Daniel Levy has always been that kind of um, director. If you look through his, his the signings we've always made, they've always been with an eye to sell on. But all of a sudden, we got scared of doing that. And all the players that we should have sold, Ericsson, um, Kane, as much as it pains me, um, Son, maybe Son should have been sold at some point. Those players were, were never sold. We never got the money back to reinvest in the squad. And then they basically faded away. And now we'll never get maximum value. And you're right. We went inside Oria instead of, instead of Pereira. So the, there's faults all over the place. Well, that's it. And it's not like we've not spent any money. So Pochettino spent, you know, 55 million on Sissoko and Aurier, plus gave up huge amounts of the, the wage bill. That's That money could have gone towards a whole host of talented young English players from the championship and below who have, you know, frankly, have become really good players. The likes of James Madison, we could have got him on the cheap. Ryan Sessegnon, we could have bought him for three million at one point. Mm. And, and this is the issue I have with the kind of uh, the Levy bashing. People say... 
Levy just needs to spend some money, Pochettino wasn't backed, etc, etc. And, and my argument in response to that is Levy and Pochettino were really, really tight. They, you know, from reading Pochettino's book, they got on incredibly well. I fundamentally don't believe that Daniel Levy uh, didn't tell Pochettino until it was too late that there was no money. I think they had open conversations about what money was available. And even with those restrictions in place, Pochettino had possibilities, had options, and they might have been developing youth players or they might have been developing youth players just to sell them. So, you know, if you look back over over the years, we've sold Jake Livermore, Kulker, Pritchard, Townsend, Bentaleb, Mason. All these players have gone for multiple millions of pounds. If we'd been loaning out our youth players and then selling them for 10 million, that builds up a transfer kitty. If you, like you said, Bardi, if you unearth undervalued players in other leagues, yeah, we did it badly with Nkudu and Ng, but there's potential there to sign sign good players cheaply, like Kante, like Mares. Uh, and then also you've got, like I said, the young English players in the football league. Damari Gray, you know, he's not been amazing for Leicester, but we could have signed him for about a million pounds and he'd be worth a lot more now. Lookman, Madison, Sessignon, Grealish, Bayliss, Aarons, Eze, these are all good players. We're now looking in the summer at Eze and Nathan Ferguson at West Brom and, and even Jaden Bogle at Derby, someone I know we've been linked to. So perhaps, and I, I hope we will go back to that strategy, but I just feel that these were options available to Pochettino that he, he didn't take up. And that leads us to the point we're at now. And it's... It, it's really sad because I do feel as though if he'd done some of these things or maybe had a director of football in place to help with some of these things, he, he might still be at Spurs. And that's the, the saddest bit of the, of the lot. Yeah, uh, because Pochettino, sorry, has, he's, Pochettino signed some turkeys in his time. When he was at Southampton, he did waste an incredible amount of money on um, Dani Osvaldo. So he, 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 he you know, he, he hasn't, Pochettino doesn't come with a record of being able to sign great players. Mm, indeed, indeed. Nathan, anything to add? Uh, well, I, 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 I'm less convinced of Pochettino's involvement in the transfer strategy than, than you two are. Um, I do think that Southampton did, did some really good signing while he was there. And I also think he was at least somewhat separate from that. Then uh, that was with, um, Mitchell, of course, who is now at Leipzig. And you mentioned Leipzig. Uh, if you look at the Leipzig example, there's a lot of like nefariousness in the the overarching Red Bull uh, structure, yeah. but I do think they're incredibly well run, and they sold Naby Keita, and they will probably mm. sell Werner in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, regardless of who is to blame, um, I guess we we all agree that there needed to be more turnover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what Red Bull are doing and what City are doing as well with putting clubs everywhere. That's if you've got the the money and the, the the infrastructure to be able to do that that's the way to do it you buy these players and you test them out um i've forgotten his name is gone now the the american chap that came on tyler adams is another example of someone mm. who who spent time in the red bull system somewhere out of the spotlight but they they're able to mold these players and it's it's better than loaning them because your 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 assets are remaining within your kind of ecosystem that's that's the key that's what city wants to do is what red bull are doing that's that's really how you should do it it's i don't think it's fair but that that's really how you should do it so you want um Guiamp Hotspur I'm not saying I mean we Bardi would become... want a team in, in Italy let's face it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be great but um it, we, 
we would end up becoming a conglomerate and a Starbucks on in, on every corner. Mm. So that's not really what I want. I, I would just like to them to do things better because there are ways. We can have partnerships with other teams. Um, Chelsea have kind of tried that with um, is, is, um, Vitesse Arnhem and stuff like that. So there are ways to do it better. But I just think we always seem to be a step behind. Mm. Guys, can you hear something? I think we all know what that is. It's the change of it's the change of pace siren, <laughs> and that means questions from you lot. We got masses of questions, uh, and for that, you know, we thank you. Uh, I've grouped them a little bit. So the first section is about youth players. A question from Ollie Whitefoot, who says, "With Malachi Fagan Walcott getting some minutes this week or last week, would you be in favour of seeing two or three more youngsters getting regular first team action until the end of the season?" Caveat on that to boost squad energy or send a message to underperforming players, or would it be counterproductive? And Owen, who is Problems Dog on Twitter, says, two donees we don't hear much about." Luke Amos and Keziah Sterling, if we could recall either of them, could they have helped us with the injury situation? Uh, so that was, the, the, yeah, that last point was an interesting one. Uh, Sterling has been out with a very mysterious injury for a long, long time now. So he got a bruise on his leg, um, which went bad, essentially. And he's been out for months as a result of this. I, I don't know. Uh, it must have been like a, a severe dead leg. And sometimes that can keep players out for a long time, I know. Um, but it's, it's all been a bit mysterious. He returned to Spurs to sort of undergo rehabilitation and then he's still not gone back out on loan yet uh, so yeah essentially the, the short answer with Sterling is no he couldn't have helped because he's been injured uh, Luke Amos I think short term could definitely have played some minutes in midfield and helped out and in hindsight we probably shouldn't have we, we probably should have gotten back in in January and used him basically uh, but yeah I mean the use of young players this season has been interesting uh, Nathan what did you make of Fagan Walcott getting a debut and do you think we perhaps could have used one or two more and if the season starts up again should we use one or two more um I, I, I didn't have very strong feelings about Fagan Walcott. Uh, I was slightly surprised, um, but I guess that's the circumstances we're in. Yeah, if we were now about to see the season out from what are we in eighth with nine games to go, I'd like us to have to use that time to give some some young players minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's now a, an unlikely scenario, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think what we what we're forgetting here is Mourinho is a master of a, of a stat pad and when <laughs> <laughs> two minute debuts. Exactly. This guy now. Well, originally, actually, I got um, I got to confess something. When I looked at the running order, I saw Malachi FW, and I thought Malachi forward. Who's this guy? <laughs> I didn't put it together. But this is just another player now that will go down on Mourinho's um, CV of having given a young player a debut because now he's got Tanganga and Malachi. There's there's two already to his name. So he is a master at doing that. And may I just say about Fagan Walcott that he kind of got boosted up the pecking order with the sale of Lewis Binks, who left Spurs to go to the MLS. Good for him, getting regular football out there, which is great. Um, but yeah, uh, Fagan Walcott would have been below Binks, would have been below Ioma, who's on loan, and uh, definitely would have been below Tanganga, who's now obviously been promoted. So he was kind of just the next in line, I guess. He's, he's not a bad player by any stretch, but he's very young, and it's very early to say whether he'll be any good. I, I prefer to Tanganga at the same age and I think uh, Tanganga's done a reasonable job with the first team and I hope he stays in the first team squad next season 
if, do you know what? I was thinking this morning, this has low-key been an amazing season for young English players in the Premier League. And I think primarily hmm. to, to Chelsea, when I say that, um, obviously Hudson-Odoi has been a huge loss in terms of his injury. And I, th- I was expecting him to have a breakout season. But what we have seen is Rhys James perform outstandingly at right back. Mason Mounts in midfield had an iffy season, but he'll come through this a much better player. And uh, Tammy Abraham up front is outstanding. And Tamori at the back has massive potential as well. I look at Arsenal and I see Saka, who he is, is so quite... good. I know that like we can't be praising Arsenal players, but my mm. goodness, he is a ridiculous player uh, and will be England's left left sided either wing back or left back for many years to come. I think. And then I also look at Mason Greenwood at United, whose t- whose minutes they've managed really, really well. And I think uh, Mason Greenwood is going to be an absolute star as well. United have also given minutes to others. Brandon Williams, who's primarily played left back and also played right back, is is kind of come out of the blue and been a bit of a surprise, but he's done very well too. Um, Arsenal have given minutes to, to many others. Uh, Reese Nelson in midfield is one. But there are others as well. And Mill Smith Smith Rowe is a, a very good player. Um, so, yeah, like, I do think this season will stand England in good stead for the future. And and that's kind of exciting to me as someone who, who likes seeing academy players develop. Do you uh, think in- that clubs watched Sancho leave City for Dortmund and tear it up in the Bundesliga and suddenly look at their academies and go, oh, we have young players who were performing nearly as well as Sancho at youth level. Maybe we should start giving them some minutes. 100% that, 100% that. And also, I think, well, uh, Chelsea's case was a bit different, of course, because sure, they had a sure. transfer ban and they were forced to do this. But I think Chelsea doing that has made others see that there is some sense in giving young players opportunities. Arsenal actually have done really well over the last two or three years. They've benefited True. in some ways from the Europa League because it's allowed them to have a look at some of these players. Inketio is another one. Smith Rowe played a lot of Europa League games for them. Um, so that's that's helped them. Um, Everton have been really good this season as well, giving young players opportunities all over the last few years. Leicester with, with Chowdhury, who I like in midfield, and, and Harvey Barnes, who I really like too. So th- there's been a lot of um, teams willing to take more chances on young players and that's that's been pleasing. The Everton one's a really interesting one because obviously Calvert-Lewin started playing matches what three years ago mm-hmm. and just sort of looked like an awkward gangly teenager um, but now I think this he's had a really good season and, and he's developed over time to become yeah. like a, a truly very good Premier League forward. Who, who has a chance of the England squad I would say. I mean w- without getting all Roy Keane on you guys here that, <laughs> there, there is a um, people do tend to overreact with when a young English guy kind of breaks through and as Roy Keane says can trap a ball but they're, they're all very good players um, Saka is, is excellent but I, he is you know I wouldn't get too excited over over him you did miss out McNeil who's um, mm. he's, he's probably a bit too old school a winger to to, to to work these days but there's some there's some good players I I mean I don't think England are winning a World Cup anytime soon with, with Chowdhury in centre midfield though no, agreed, agreed. And Chowdhury's not an outstanding player, but he's a very good one and would be a good squad option for most Premier League clubs. And McNeil's a fascinating player because, like you say, he's very old school. I see him ultimately coming inside and playing as a 10, and I think he'll be an excellent 10 for a lot of lot of teams. I, I would like to see him come away from Burnley over the next season, season and a half, because I, I think with better players around him who actually want to play football, I think he'd be very good. I would take McNeil at Spurs for sure. 
Yeah, I he's really big. Like as, he's big as well. You you think he's a little winger, but he's you know he's he's a bit of a unit, and he could very tenacious. Uh, yeah, he could. Um, he could. He needs. He needs to play on the right and start cutting in on his left instead of being um kind of a, a non like a big Aaron Lennon kind of thing. Mm, mm. No, he's he's good. Yeah, that's a great shout on McNeil there, bud. <laughs> and Yaris just aren't good enough to win titles is it time to get ruthless we've spoken a lot about Winks over the last year really and whether we think he works doesn't work what kind of games he might work in what kind of teams he might work in um, but what do you think Nathan do you, do you think we lack a, a hard man in midfield or is it is it deeper than that uh, yeah it's not in the like I guess Roy Keane again sort of sense of like we need someone to scare the opposition to, mm. to be a, a violent threat but like like we need a ball winner in midfield and we've needed a ball winner in midfield for quite a while. It's interesting. I, I've been meaning to sort of write about this. So like back when, um, when Yama was sort of only recently injured and Dyer was sort of like freshly out ill. Uh, and I was saying, we need to replace Musa Dembele. We kept getting linked to defensive midfielders. We were linked to uh, Barrios, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm now going to completely fail to remember any others. But there were two or three defensive midfielders that we were linked to in a January and in a preceding summer. And I thought, why are we looking at defensive midfielders? That's not what we need. We have Wanyama and Dyer. And since mm-hmm. then, obviously, the problem has dramatically developed. So I, it's, it, I get the impression that like we knew how bad Van Yama's injury was, obviously, before we as fans knew. So we were preparing for that. And then we've just failed to prepare for that and are now showing a real lack of interest in signing a defensive midfielder. Mm. It's That's really baffling. I don't I don't get that at all. Another player that was linked around the time of Barrios was Florian Grilich. Yep, yep. Uh, who looks really good. I, I, I think he'd be a, a good option for us. 100%. Uh, Sander Burge was another. He's, he's slightly more complicated because he is sort of a little bit more of a passer. Um, it's sort of, so I've described him on this call before as sort of like Winks scaled up dramatically to be like seven <laughs> foot tall. Um, and I've, I think I've also said like for his size, he's really agile, but he is like a, he's a truck, which means that he does have like uh, something of a, a slow turning speed. And I'd be worried about balls behind him. Um, he's not 
poor defensively at all but like he he it's possible for him to lose trackers so like i really really like him as a player i i've been watching um sheffield united games specifically to watch him i think he's really interesting but i don't necessarily think that he would have been a match for us he just seems like the sweetest human being as well have you seen the videos of him with billy sharp yeah he's he's absolutely adorable um bardi is it cruel to say that wink should be a squad player um no not not cruel at all um i would i'd like to put my flag in the ground for for an italian who we should sign in um <laughs> shock <laughs> and, um i don't know if if, they, if you've watched much of him but sandro tonali he's um he's an outstanding outstanding teenager who i think is going to um do great things in um in world football he's having a decent season at brescia he's um he's a mix between it, the easy comparison is to call him pirlo but I think is I think there's much more of De Rossi and Gattuso in him. He loves to sit in front of the back four. He's great at interceptions. He's great at passing, long range passing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's about time we get a we get a proper Italian in the midfield, and I, I want us <laughs> to sign him. He's he he is available. Well, now things have gone to shit. He would have been available this summer for the right money. Sold, as far as I'm concerned. You've 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 done a great job there. How much would he cost? Um. 25 mil. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Well, he's I'm a teenager. He's a, he's a young kid. For him. Mm. So uh, next section of questions is about uh, players we might want to keep and how we plan for next season. So Aldo Farian says, has Jan played his last game for us? Any thoughts on contracts expiring in the age of uncertainty, which we've sort of already covered? Uh, Ian Hart says, uh, Harry Kane rumours are starting up. Is there an argument that selling him while we can still get good money to reinvest may be a good idea for the club long term rather than letting his value or performances drop? And Matthew Browson, shout out to Matthew, lovely bloke, says you have a nine-seater minibus. Which eight players are you taking with you to the 20? 2021 season in Matthews bus are Kane, Son, Delhi, the Celso, Sanchez, Tenganga, Alderweireld, and Lloris. Uh, so we'll start with you, Nathan. Oh, and Jan Vertonghen is an interesting one. So the rumours today are that Vertonghen's contract will expire at the end of the season, and Spurs will let it expire, and he will move on. Did you notice? In the Leipzig game, Mourinho had his arm around Vertonghen's shoulder at the end and was talking to him and seemed to be sort of trying to almost explain something to him. Did you see that? Or am I imagining no. that? I, I saw that. Mm. No, I saw it as well. I, I, I thought that I thought that if I wanted to see the camera linger a little bit longer, to, so we could kind of yeah. figure out what was being said. Um, if I wasn't as depressed, I would have checked Twitter to see if anything had been mentioned about it. But yeah, now you mentioned it, I do remember seeing it and thinking that was that was a weird kind of moment. So there were two things that went through my head there. The first one was the Tongans had a go at him for not doing something, and the second one was is Mourinho seeing the Tongans as a future coach and thinking I'll explain. I'll, I'll justify some of my decisions in this match to him for his learning um I don't know uh, Jan is a very he's a strange character he's very dry he's got a very dry sense of humor uh he doesn't give a lot away he's kind of quite cold in interviews but he's worn his heart on his sleeve on the pitch for many years yeah um he's obviously a clever clever guy he knows his stuff when it comes to football I, I I'm very up for Jan Vertonghen taking on a coaching role post uh, Spurs contract but he's got he's got good years left in him for some club surely <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's bizarre the 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 degree to which he has physically dropped off. Obviously, we we talked about our squad's fitness generally this season. Um, but like, yeah, I I've mentioned before that he was like playing wing back, chasing down Sancho, shutting down yeah. Dortmund a year ago, 
and now it's like he doesn't look like he can play any role at all for for you know can't chase a ball behind him um maybe yeah maybe a slower league maybe a return to the Eredivisie or that that's a lot of high lines um or, or yeah just you know Serie A where where it's a slower pace or whatever would would do him some good but um yeah it'd be interesting to see if he's got some sort of coaching potential but I don't I don't think that that he's likely to stick around for that here and again talking about the virus again I think the clubs will simply try and shed as many players off their books as they can in the next few months interesting yeah uh so Bardi selling Harry Kane at this point would be suicide for Mourinho but do you Mm. think it would be the right thing to do um I think we spoke a while ago about I reckon one of the um, Kane's son or Delhi will will leave this summer I just think we need we need that money to reinvest in the squad we need to shake up the kind of maybe hierarchy within the within the dressing room so I wouldn't be surprised if it was one but I don't think I don't think Harry Kane will leave I think he's got his heart set on them um, breaking the records at Tottenham and yeah I think yeah I don't I don't think he'll leave mm. And should we come up with a combined uh, eight players to take into the next season that we that we really want to see stick around? I mean, I, I would start by saying Lacelso is probably yeah, number one on my list one. at the moment. Yeah, he's yeah. just ridiculously good. Um, and I'd also add Son as as my second. I know Bardi's spoken about him potentially being one who holds good value that we could sell, but he's such a clutch player for us, and he represents everything that's good about our club in so many ways. I, I really, I really, um, I just want Son to stay forever. Um, who else? Else? Who else are we looking towards? I, I think Sessignon. I think having yeah. having committed to signing him and mm-hmm. seeing the potential, um, I, I think is worth persisting with. Um, yeah, I think so. I think uh, I don't think we can get rid of Endombele. I think we have to put a bit of faith in in the system and hope that he comes through as well. Mm, there's so many caveats with him. So many caveats. Uh, so on my list would be Kane. I don't know if you all agree. I uh, am thinking no to Kane. I think that we sell Kane this summer. Gee- I mean, if you if you overvote me, then that's fine. But I think that we need to pick one of Kane, Son, and Delhi to move on. So are you are you guys choosing Delhi? I think I would rather sell Delhi than Kane. It, yeah. Rather because of your emotional attachment to Kane? Yes, okay. yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, but I think I, also it's like um, it's Kane embodies Tottenham Hotspur in, yeah. in 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 the world view of so many fans. Uh, he is he is Spurs in in a lot of ways, and that is uh, Jesus. Yeah, All just right. from a PR, just PR. contemplate, just contemplate. Like, I would prefer not to. Seeing Harry Kane's transfer <laughs> announced on the official website. That, that's I, that's I would genuinely I cry. Yeah. I would cry. I would be. It would be like the worst breakup I've ever had. I'd be so sad. I get. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I totally get all of that. I just think from a pure, like, from a cold-hearted, business. logical, and business perspective, that it would mm. make if, like, if we can build up the hype around him. If, if there's no football for a while and everyone forgets that he's looking rusty, and the idea of Kane permeates the brains of United and Real Madrid again, and we can get like you know eighty million or whatever for him, then then yeah. it would be hard to turn down. But if you guys are choosing that we sell Delhi instead, let's go with that and put Kane in. Yeah, let's yeah, get Kane on the list. I think the only way you could sell Kane is if you really came up with a, a smart comms plan and really got to work on it soon. Pitching well, him having... The traditional comms plan is to say, oh, well, the player agitated for the move and the player yeah. went on strike and the player hates the club. Yeah. And that would be fucking miserable for Spurs fans. You're gonna, he's going to have to get a, an <laughs> Arsenal tattoo on oh. a part of his body we've never seen before. And hmm. then... He accidentally gets papped on on a beach 
we see the tattoo and that is part of the comms plan of like he's never been Spurs get him out of our club he's no good anyway but, um, talking yeah. of comms plans the, the, the rumours have already started about Kane agitating haven't they so that's come from one side or the other yep, I, know that's, I know that's a depressing thing to accept but it's true so, right, so, so Ber- Bergvine I think is a is a yes. player that you would absolutely take to next season not not just because we've only recently signed him but because he looks really good I'm very happy with what he's done so far and he's he seems to have adjusted pretty quickly um, so what are we up to sick we need to pick a centre back are we going for yeah. Sanchez or Tanganga or both I think we could probably fit I would maybe take both I don't think um, I don't think Winks I don't think Winks deserves to be on the bus over Tanganga I, I kind of like I kind of like Tanganga I love the way he took out um, that player in the game oh, as that, well that was amazing that was <laughs> totally unnecessary Tanganga yeah I, I, I like I like the cut of his jib I, I, like, I do and he's played left back right back wing back and he's, he hasn't looked terrible in any of those positions. He's a very calm player and mm. there's a lot to be said for having calm defenders. Uh, it's something that Spurs have lacked over the last few... I mean, obviously we've been spoiled with Alderweireld and Vertonghen, but beside those two, we don't ha- we, we do not have a history of having calm centre-back. So he is very welcome in that respect. Uh, so yeah, get Tanganga on the list. He's in, he's in the bus. He's in the bus. So what well, that, we That's eight. Got? That's eight. That's the lot. That's our eight. So we're ditching all our goalkeepers. Yeah. Yes. That's... Um, that's pretty savage. We're ditching all our fullbacks. Fine. No problem with that. Uh, we've got a midfield of sorts in Lacelso and Dombele. I'm skeptical as to whether Ndombele stays, but I hope he does. Um, and, and we're getting rid of we're getting rid of Lucas Lamella. The, the fluff in the final third is gone. We're rebuilding. <laughs> we have space for Delhi to get back on the bus, so we we have a space to keep him. But I guess this is um, who we would uh, here. We have a ninth person. It could be Delhi, but um, Delhi's. Got a skateboard and a bit of rope, and he's he's <laughs> he's hitching a ride. As far as I'm concerned, I I want Delhi to stay, but okay. I, I appreciate what you're saying in that we we probably will sell one of the big guns. Okay, so um, talking about the future, okay, boss says, how long will it take us to get back to the Champions League? How many seasons is it like us to take to get back to the peak potch years of performance and achievement? He put achievement in inverted commas. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? Hmm. How how long till we're back in the Champions League? Uh, if things go well for us if we buy and sell smartly if Mourinho continues to find ways to develop and modernize his game then probably two years and if things aren't perfect in those senses then it may be a very long time so we've not even touched upon your video that you've done oh yeah and uh we definitely should but i think we should do that in a separate podcast because it is a fantastic piece of work and deserves um proper discussion uh, if you've not seen nathan's video about Mourinho and how he might have evolved or is evol- in the process of evolving where can people find it me uh it's on reddit which is really sort of awkward annoying but like the video is too long to go in most places and it has football clips so it can't go a lot of other places but um i tweeted it a lot on I will continue to tweet it so so find it on Twitter very good thank you uh, Buddy what do you think how long until we're uh, back in the Champions League I mean the way the Premier League fluctuates with the top four I, I don't see any reason why we can't be back in it next season as for um, getting that sustained level of performance that we saw under Pochettino I think it's going to take um, uh, a year to 18 months to, to really bed in a new set of players and get them get them up to speed but getting back in the Champions League is not it's not difficult. I don't know, man. I'm um, 
I'm worried. I, I think this is this is it's, it's, it's bad timing. Basically, it's really bad timing because I've seen Leicester and Wolves both take huge leaps forward this year. Leicester, in particular, are very good. They are, they've got a smart manager who plays good football. They've they've got a good and and Bardi, you make this point a lot. They've got a very good first eleven. Uh, their backups perhaps are a little flimsy, but I suspect they'll add to them in the summer. Um, and I like Leicester a lot. They'll need to think about replacing Vardy soon, though. Uh, Wolves are just so admirable in, in everything they're doing. They're, they're signing well. You know, Neto looks good. Pedense looks very good. Um, I I am very impressed with Wolves all over the pitch. Vinagra, who's their kind of backup left back to Johnny, also looks excellent. Um, I'm worried about Wolves having kind of sustained top six presence for the next few years now, I must say. Um so yeah, I do. I do think it's bad timing for Spurs to have a, a rough period. I think it could take us a few years to get back to the Champions League. If I'm honest, no, 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 no. The the the, the situation in the Premier League now is fine. It's it's okay. There's there's enough quality spread across teams that it's not like it was back in the day when it was the top four, when it was Liverpool, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Man United and those guys where they had a monopoly on the top players they had a monopoly on the refereeing decisions and everything else there's enough sway I think within the top six seven teams that they would take points off each other mm. and the best better players were spread around I think Leicester I think the majority of Leicester including their manager are only there to sell themselves and move on and you know one simply just you don't simply just replace Jamie Vardy he's a very unique striker who's got like a very specific skill set and it's going to be quite difficult to go out there and buy another Jamie Vardy Mm. yeah it's a fair point that they'll take team they'll take points off each other because they're all pretty good um but that means they'll take points off us as well like it's really difficult for us to compete I think I I don't know I don't know I mean Wolves have shown that you can you can do a Europa Europa League campaign and focus on the Premier League at the same time that that does that has shown they've done that Leicester have been very fortunate in the fact that they've um, had no European football to contend with if you go back to the season under after they won the league and they had to play in Europe they they weren't the same team I know there was fallings out and stuff like that but those play those players having to continue to play two or three two two times a week will hurt them not like they they have now and they've been reasonably lucky until the last couple of months of injuries yeah that's a fair point and and they've shown that indeed he is such an important player to them when he was absent they had a real rough patch and Mm. were he to be signed by a bigger club this summer they would they would struggle without him i think but um rogers is a very good manager Okay, last question is from Brian Mulholland. He says, uh, what is the, excuse me, what is the single best performance from a Spurs player you've seen in the flesh, a game you were at? Can you think of anybody? um, It only comes down to Bale. There was so many games where he was, he was just insane. The, um, it wasn't even the best match, but the Leon game where we beat them, we beat them two one. He scored two free kicks. He just he didn't even do anything, but he just had that ability that he would he would just score goals out of everywhere. And it was that AVB season where we kind of kept pushing towards the top four, and we played Southampton at home, and it was a dreadful match, and it was nil <laughs> nil, and nothing was happening, and he just picks the ball up and boom changes the game like that and um, it's that game changing ability that Kane had for a while he doesn't quite have the same level of it anymore but yeah I, I, pretty much any game Gareth Bale played in under under times under Redknapp and under AVB he, he was a, a sensation 
How about you, Nathan? Been sort of silent the last five minutes trying to think of my answer to this question. I, I, I don't know. I've seen I've seen Harry Kane score hat tricks. I've seen Luka Modric orchestrate entire games. I've seen Moussa Dembele um, do as exactly as he wishes through an entire midfield. I'm, I'm having a really hard time picking a, a single game. Um, <laughs> I can think of the best performance against Spurs, which was Messi last season. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, Ronaldo, Emmanuel, um Aguero. Yeah. Seen a few. Yeah. Salah. I remember when Salah... I remember when this Salah... is so Spursy that we're, we're immediately <laughs> jumping to the players against us. When he played for Basel against us yeah. in the Europa League, he was insane. It was just like, who was who is this guy it was one of the best individual performances i'd seen at that time i remember yeah, commenting maybe. on a forum of some kind i can't remember which saying um oh we should sign salah and then the replies being like he's basically aaron lennon he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you're, you're right bardy that bale was because it was so it was like on him yeah he, he, he yeah. was so capable of grabbing the game by the scruff of the just neck and just being a one-man wrecking machine it was so kind of impressive to watch in person um i, I feel like modric is so underappreciated because he controlled games without you even realizing he was controlling the game um and i i loved him for that and i would also say michael Carrick did the same I absolutely loved watching Carrick in the flesh because Mm. it wasn't just the way he used the ball when he had it left foot right foot short range long range it was the positions that he'd take up to receive the ball and he was so brave in possession he would take it anywhere I loved watching Carrick play I I just wish he'd stayed with us for a bit longer he was such an elegant footballer he was like a proper Tottenham Hotspur player as well he seemed to fit us so perfectly I I loved Carrick Um, but yeah Bale's Bale's pretty hard to beat and on that note we shall leave you after a bloody long podcasting session lads I think we'll probably all need a a, a bit of a rest now right? Yeah my bum hurts I've been sat down I need to skip out next week. I'm on the bench. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platform. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.